0: The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. We are not realigning our teeth or our skeletal structure, or our cars. If we were, we would go to an orthodontist, a chiropractor, or a mechanic. But we are in need of realignment, a spiritual realignment. And I can think of no one better to go to than Jesus, and no place better to go than into the Beatitudes and what it means to be blessed. Now, Beatitude, that word, you know, people, what is Beat? Oh, it's a Beatitude. No, that's not what that is. It's actually a Latin word, Beatitudinum, uh, which means essentially a state of blessedness or extreme bliss, right? It kind of goes with this, this concept of supreme fortunate. Like, you are so fortunate. It's like when somebody comes up to you and goes, oh, congratulations, you won the lottery. It's like, I didn't enter the lottery. Someone entered it for you. Congratulations. You You're like, man, I did nothing to deserve, to earn. I, did, I just got, I got caught with something amazing. And so somebody would come up to you and say, oh, congratulations. That's, that's really what the word blessed means in the Bible, and that's what Jesus is trying to get us to. In Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, open them up now, because that's where we're going. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus sees these crowds gathering around, and he goes up on this mountainside, and he sits down, and his disciples gather together around him, and he begins to teach them the Beatitudes. Check this out. Let's read Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. God blesses those Who are poor and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn. For they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble. For they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. For they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful. For they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Man, we're going to unpack each of these statements in the next weeks ahead. But there is a whole lot that is happening here. There's just a whole lot going on. And and just know this. If we will plant the seeds of these beatitudes, we will harvest the fruits of the Spirit. They're all found in Galatians chapter 5. If you want to go find out what those are. People have tried over the years to add wisdom to this right? They will say, oh, blessed are those who expect nothing, for they will not be disappointed. That's such weak sauce, right? right? They'll say, oh, blessed are those who bend, for they will not break. Really, how totally lame. It just falls short. When you hear these things, you go, whew, where is this going? Where is he headed with this? Well, starting in verse three, Jesus tells us this, less is more, more or less. And that's the title of this morning's teaching, Less is More, More or Less, which is my title today. And so I want you to open your app. We're going to look at God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that when it comes to spiritual realm, the spiritual realm in our lives, the economy, the kingdom of heaven, it's better to have less than more. It's been said that that which is gained with toil is kept with fear is enjoyed with danger and is lost with grief ever found that man i work so hard to get all this and now I, i'm just paranoid about keeping it right well if there is a religion in polar opposition to what jesus is teaching here i think it would probably be the trendy cultural, progressive, pseudo-Christianity that is taking over America. It's a mixture of what the Bible has to say and what I believe is the truth for me. Well, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. And that this is what's true for me, and it might not be true for you. Who am I to pro- profess truth to you, right? Because everybody has their own truths. Well, to those of us who have lived most of our lives in prosperity, this is pretty strange math. When you hear this, less is more. Wait a minute. I just want you to be comforted in knowing that it was strange math in Jesus' day as well. He gets up and he says this kind of stuff. I I remember as a youth pastor, I I had a, a... Summer program for my teenagers. We called it The Time Is Now. And essentially, we went down to Howard and Phil's. How many of you remember Howard and Phil's, right? The appliance place, right? We went down to Howard and Phil's. All the kids showed up uh, the afternoon, about five o'clock in the afternoon. They all showed up at the church. We had about 20, 30 kids there. And we all went down to Howard and Phil's and we picked out appliance boxes. And we took all these boxes back to the church. And in the middle of the church parking lot, we created a box city and a cardboard city. And so they, we, we said, hey, you're going to spend the night in these cardboard boxes and they showed up at five o'clock, you know, so they're excited. They're oh, this is going to be so awesome. We're going to spend the night in the cardboard boxes. Right. And then uh, it came dinner time. They said, Oh, we're not having dinner tonight. We're actually going to fast. We're going to pray for those less fortunate than us. And they're like, well, that was bogus, right? (laughs) But we're okay. Oh, that's fine. So then about, about, One o'clock in the morning or so, I woke all the kids up. I said, hey, you guys, it's snack time. We can have snacks. So I brought them all in for one of those little tiny bags of chips. You know the ones that come for you, like you put in for your lunch, they're like a third of a serving for somebody. I don't know, but they're little tiny bags, and they each got a bag of chips. Well, while they were in getting their chips... I went out into the parking lot with a hose and just kind of sprinkled all over their homes for the night. And so they're all in there going, we're so hungry anyway. So they're just eating their chips, right? Well, they get out and they're like, what? And they go, it rained, you guys. This is what happens to the homeless people. Now I didn't, I didn't destroy their homes, but it was kind of damp. Well, they slept all night long in these things. Then the next day we went down, downtown LA and we went and served food at a soup kitchen. No breakfast, Right? We get down to the soup kitchen and we're serving the homeless. This We're serving all these people. And it wasn't until after we had served them that we actually sat down and had a meal, the same meal that we had just been serving. We then got into our vans and went to a homeless shelter. Actually, a hotel turned into a homeless shelter and we spent the night there again without food. And the kids were always asking, are we really paying for this? <laughs> right? Well, But see, I was wanting to give them an understanding of what it meant, what it really meant to be poor. Because I, I felt like, I've never viewed poverty as something uh, that was a good thing, right? It it never seemed to me as something that I should be aspiring to, to be poor. But yet, i got to do something with Jesus' opening statements in these Beatitudes. What am I supposed to do with that? He seems to say that there's a blessing for living in poverty. And I want to dig into that this morning. Before we ask what Jesus means by this first beatitude, we need to consider what the Bible has to say in general about the poor. And just to be put very simply right up front, God has a radical concern for the poor. In the Old Testament, serving the poor was a point of law. Check this out in Deuteronomy. Look at this. Here's what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse seven. If there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, Don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Look at that, God's concern is so great Man, ignoring the plight of the poor is grounds for divine judgment. The he, same is said in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 2. Paul is talking, and he says this. You know what? These, the apostles in Jerusalem, they encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. And then in verse 10, look what he says. Their only suggestion to us was that we keep on helping the poor, which is something I've always been eager to do. And then in Acts, Paul quotes Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Man, I'm telling you, listen, there, there is, there's talk of this topic all over the Bible. But in this first declaration, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying something quite different. And I want us to grab it. He seems to indicate that there is a, a certain advantage in poverty he declares that there is a blessing, not on those who remember the poor, but on the poor themselves. He says the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And these words are as wowful today as they were when he first said them. The kingdom of heaven, this is your first blank if you're filling in the, and you got your app open today. Less is more in the kingdom of heaven When we are compelled to see our need. We're all needy. And I'm going to get into defining some of those needs here in a minute. But Jesus sends us reeling with this first statement this, what I would call an opening incongruity, right? It's like, that just doesn't, those don't seem to be compatible. You're linking two things, poverty and blessing. Uh, I don't see, uh, how how can poverty be a blessing, right? What Jesus says here, though, is completely disorienting. It gets us kind of off balance. It's as if with a word, he suddenly turned all the laws that govern the universe onto their head. And we're going to see a lot more of that in the week's coming up, because that's why we called it the Upside Down series. One of Jesus' goals in this sermon is to somehow contrast the governing principles of the world with that of the kingdom of God. In fact, you know, we will we will often say, you know, just, Lord, fill me up, right? So I, I got a coffee cup, I got a pitcher. We're like, Lord, fill me up. The, the problem is, right? I, I go, yeah, fill me up. But you're upside down. But I can't tell you how often. it says, yeah, just fill me up. But you're doing things not the way they're supposed to be. done. I, I got to have this side. I got to be a place, an empty place to be filled. But the problem is, I just created a mess. Sorry, Mike, I'll help clean it up maybe. I, 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 I've done it again. That's two weeks in a row. What's going on here, right? My point is, beloved, listen to me. We We are upside down trying to fill up on the things of God. And Jesus is trying to set it straight right here. He says, hey, listen, you're doing this all wrong. You need to think about poverty very differently. And I'm gonna get into what that means. And I want you to try and hear these words as Jesus is saying them. Try to hear them the same way that these hearers were hearing them, the people who first heard it. How would this statement have sounded to someone whose only possessions are the clothes on their back. How, how how is blessed are those who are poor? I mean, how is that going to sound? What does that mean to the mother who's trying to figure out where her child's next meal is going to come from? How would these words sound to the beggar who is dependent on handouts from strangers just for survival. I mean, it, there's some point, I'm just amazed that Jesus wasn't laughed off the mountain at this point. Like, you gotta be kidding me, right? Blessed are the poor? You got. I'll tell you, I haven't tasted that blessing. I don't know what you're talking about. But here, here's why. Because Jesus wasn't speaking theoretically. He didn't read a book. He didn't take a poll. He wasn't a social scientist, right? Jesus was born in, lived in, and died in poverty so that we might inherit kingdom riches. We got to hear this. Jesus lived in poverty because it wasn't about this. It was about something much more. According to Matthew 8, he turned to one of his followers. And he said, hey, listen, man, foxes have dens, right? They can go over there, right? Birds have nests. But then he says this, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And I got to tell you, when it comes to the prosperity gospel, you know, name it and claim it, market it and park it, that's just like, pull, right? Just shoot it out of the sky because, well, wait a minute. So apparently, Jesus wasn't into earthly possessions, but there's a whole bunch of people, once again, in this errant theology. A lot of Christians are buying into this that, that God wants us to be wealthy. God wants to provide for our needs, absolutely. In fact, Jesus depended on the charity of the other people, he died and the only possessions he had uh, was nothing listen when he died he even borrowed the grave literally i'm just going to use it for a few days and i'll be out jesus had nothing at the point of death there was nothing he owned the donkey for the last supper he borrowed it the room for the last supper he borrowed it everything guy was a mooch i love this who who is this jesus Jesus is saying more than just financial poverty, though. He's saying something about the poor being more receptive to the kingdom. The poor have an advantage, some people think, over the rich. But honestly, they both have their very unique temptations. We're all stuck in this human form with the the problems of this human form. Proverbs chapter 30, verses seven through nine. Look at what it says. God, I'm begging for two favors from you. Just before I die, just don't let this happen before I die. Let it happen before I die, right? First, help me not lie. Man, can we all pray that one today? Help me not lie. But here's the second one. Check this out. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. Because if I grow rich, I'm going to deny you. And I'm going to say, who is God? I got this. Look at me go. But if I'm too poor, I may steal and insult God's holy name. Man, there are temptations and distractions either side of poverty and wealth. But God is asking us, hey, keep keep track of this. I want you to have a proper perspective. In order to do that, we got to get right side up. Some become hard-hearted by trouble, right? Man, man, it's just been so hard. You know, I forget about God. Why would he let those people die? How come kids are starving in, in Africa? I, I, see, and they become hard-hearted because of troubles. Others have a false sense of security through their own prosperity. I'm good, I'm good. There's a great parable. Jesus talks about a man. He sets up all these barns. He goes, man, I'm set for life, Woohoo! and then he dies. Yikes, what did he do, right? But what is the benefit of being poor? Because Jesus clearly says there's a blessing here. I think it's the Greek term that's translated poor that can help us understand Jesus' point and the, the one he's trying to make. It comes from this verbal root that indicates to cower or to cringe like a beggar. Let me dig in here. It's this idea of poverty so deep that the person is fully dependent, unable to survive without help from the outside, from other people coming in and assisting me. See, the benefit of poverty isn't in not having. It's in knowing that we don't have. Let me say it again, because you need to catch this. The benefit of poverty isn't in not having. It's in the knowledge that you don't have. How many people do you know that they don't have, but they don't know that they don't have? Some go this way, chick, ching ching chi-. I don't have, but I, it sure looks like I do. Other people, have you seen, they're so poor, but they don't know that they're poor. They're just happy as can be. They know they have a need. In Jesus' economy of the kingdom, the first prerequisite to real blessing is need. Do you need this? Then I'm gonna take care of that need. We gotta recognize that when it comes to God and his grace, we can't survive without help from the outside. In the kingdom of God, here's your second blank, less is more when we're prompted to call on Jesus. Again, this is from a place of desperation. It's like jumping into the community pool and drowning, lifeguard, help me, help me, save me, lifeguard. It's like, I am desperate, somebody's gotta help me. I'm in the deep end and I need some serious help. It's important to note that this blessing is being associated with a particular kind of poverty. What is this poverty? Because Jesus is drawing an analogy for us, rather than making a statement about economics. It's not financial poverty in general, but spiritual poverty that Jesus is talking about. In verse three, he says, they realize their need for God. See, that's what sets this all apart. We miss the personal application that Jesus wants us to take from this first beatitude. Because honestly, I thought the poor are blessed simply because they're poor. See, that relieves me of any guilt that I feel over not being poor, right? Well, well, they're blessed because they're poor and I'm, I'm blessed because I have the wealth that I have. I start to not feel so bad about having so much because I can comfort myself. See, and I, and I thought that Jesus was blessing those who don't have so much, but that's not the intention of this statement. That's not what he's getting to. He didn't pronounce this blessing to make the poor feel better about the fact that they have no money or so that we could feel better about having money. Jesus is saying here that when it comes to the economics of the kingdom, the rich and poor enter on the same basis we all come to heaven with nothing but what's happening here is very different in the economy of the kingdom here's your next blank you want to fill this one in less is more when we're comprehending all that we don't have we're always so busy inventorying the stuff that we do have But when will we comprehend what we don't have? Have you ever stopped and actually calculated your net worth? I I find myself doing that whenever I'm paying my bills. And here's the weird part. Whatever is left in the end, no matter how much it is, it's never quite enough. I always wish I had just a little more. Oh, wow, this is how much we have left. And I remember in managing my resources, I remember when there's not enough to pay the bills. What what do we do then? But but here's a bold question I have for us this morning. How much money is enough? Just let that play out in your mind for a moment. Most of us will answer, just a little bit more. Right? That's the way we'll say it. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, the answer is different because the economy of the kingdom, less is more. So maybe the answer is just, just a little bit less. I I don't know. Believe it or not, I believe that's the way Jesus wanted us to feel when it comes to the kingdom of God. When it comes to the kingdom, I don't have what I need. I I need more. I, I need more of him, less of this. And it's no accident that Jesus begins his description of the blessed life with a negative. He actually starts this whole list with telling people that you gotta know where you're lacking. He wants us to calculate our righteousness and recognize that as much as we may think we have, it's not enough. In fact, I'll go even further. It's not just not enough, that when it comes to our righteousness by kingdom standards, we are bankrupt. I'm using that word, bankrupt. Spiritual bankruptcy is the prerequisite to blessing. I don't have what I need. Jesus, I need your grace. Again, I have nothing to add. Remember what I said about blessed, right? Blessed are those. It's congratulations. You've won, but you did nothing for it. That's what this means. Wow, I, I didn't do anything to get into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven was given to me. And Jesus stands at, at the gate and says, Congratulations. Wow, I, I, how did I win? Believing in me, calling on my name. We have to recognize that we have a debt before God. And we have no means to make good on that debt. I don't care how good you are. Well, I didn't swear today. I didn't have any bad thoughts today. Not enough. We'll always be on the underside of being able to pay back in righteousness what God has done for us. We have to recognize that Jesus canceled our debt when he died on the cross. That's what he did. And I want you to know, the blessing doesn't end there. Oh, it continues, not just for here on this earth. Did you notice that there was a promise connected to this beatitude? Do you see it? For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That's my favorite part. Oh. See, Jesus' answer to the question raised by this beatitude Well, how do I get blessed? What's the blessing of being poor, realizing my need for heaven? Why are the poor blessed? Well, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Because in the kingdom of heaven, and here's your last blank, less is more when it helps us focus on our inheritance. Where are we going? That's the key, beloved. Listen to me. We gotta focus. We gotta get our head in the clouds. We got to start thinking about where we're going. This thing, that the kingdom of heaven is ours. This beatitude isn't just a promise, right? It's, It's not just a promise. It's also a word of correction. Are you thinking right? Are you upside down? It assumes that we have a tendency to function with different math. More is more. No, less is more. We live in a world where there's a great temptation to value the things that have insignificant value. We have a tendency to consider to be gain what actually might work to our loss. A lot of us think we have much when we actually have little. I think it's why right around Christmas time, I I start, I start the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and I cry because a man who has many friends is never poor. But see, we're so busy accumulating cars and toys and houses and bank accounts, etc., that we're pushing off friendships and relationships. Honestly, I think this is one of the the numerous reasons that most of us are very nervous about following Jesus. We're worried about what we're going to lose in the process. We've got to focus on the thing that we gain, the kingdom of heaven. But see, we ask, what do I got to give up? What do I got to abandon? And I, you know, I suppose that there's good reason for that concern because Jesus doesn't say we got to give up this or that to be his disciple. He says we got to give up everything to be his followers. But you got to know this. It's a matter of exchange. We exchange our life for his, our unrighteousness for his righteousness. We're blessed When we're at the end of our rope. Because at the end of our rope, there's less of us. There's more of God and of His rule. That's why John, the baptizer, he said, Oh man, I gotta decrease and He's gotta increase. I gotta get out of the way. And that's how we can see this beatitude. We can see it from a different angle. The emphasis on what is gained. See, most of us want to go, oh, the poor. The poor and poor in spirit. That's the way some of your Bibles will say it. The New Living Translation says, poor and realize their need for him. See, the kingdom of heaven is ours. It's an ownership thing. I'm a kingdom citizen first. I can be an American later, a Californian after that. But first and foremost, in my mind and in my heart, this alignment is, I'm kingdom. We got to get this. Beloved, if you're listening to me this morning, you're on the stream, you're in our courtyard hearing, us, hearing this this morning, I want you to know something. We were created, every single one of us was created for a relationship with God. You and I, we're supposed to have that relationship. He wants us to be in relationship. We often put things in the way. That's what happened in the very beginning. Adam and Eve, right over here, they just got busy looking after things that looked good, seemed like the right thing to chase after. And right in the beginning, he says, oh man, now we got something in between us and we can't be together. My free will, your free will, broke that relationship with God. God did not break the relationship with us. But God's love, through Jesus, restores that relationship. We must restore this relationship.